Good morning, good morning, Awakening Church. How are you doing? Danielle, right? Tis the season, right? I came in here today and I was just like, wow. Can we do, a, can we do something that never gets done? Can we give a hand for the people that have set this room up and make it look awesome? Honestly, like, wow, wow. I walked in this morning and I was here earlier in the week in the office and that I, I wasn't like this. And then I came here and it was like this. And it looks great. I think it's awesome. A lot of this is set up for kids' company. Again, just to plug in, if you guys have any family members that uh, have nothing to do this Christmas or haven't been to church in a long time, this is an awesome way uh, just to get them involved. It's so, it's so adorable. We're, that, we're back there in the sound booth most of the time. Last year, we were crying from Josh's kids. Uh, singing away in a manger, and we're just trying to act like we were too tough to cry about it. Like, that was pretty good, I guess. I don't know. It was cool. But I am so glad to be with you guys two weeks in a row. I was sure I was going to get enough, like, little cards in the in the mail saying, like, just don't put them back on there, please, anyone but him. But I'm glad to be back. And, and to clarify, Josh, I don't know if he's teaching, preaching. I'm just trying. That's what I'm going for. But uh, thanks taking. How many guys had an awesome Thanksgiving, right? How many guys had an awkward Thanksgiving? Yeah, my people, my people. I was, yeah, Thanksgiving was a, as a, you know, that's one of those things. I don't know if you guys have ever had those moments when, you know, when your friends, uh, when you're with friends or other family members and they ask, like, how was something like a family get together? How was Thanksgiving? And you just said, yeah, Thanksgiving was Thanksgiving. Or you just kind of go, yeah, Thanksgiving's, you know, coming. Or you just go, you know, it's real bad when someone says, yeah, well, Christmas is coming up. You know, they just kind of overpass the whole thing. Like, how was your Thanksgiving? Christmas is right around the corner, you know? And I'm just freaking out. You know, Black Friday was great. Just did a little retail therapy. Uh, but I'm glad to be here with you guys on my Thanksgiving series. I'm glad that uh, some of you guys actually listened. That was cool. Uh, I like that. It's hard. Um, being in a house of seven, uh, seven people growing up, it's hard for anyone to just listen with all the yelling going on. And I'm so glad to actually be here with no one yelling back at me yet. And so uh, I'm just excited about this. But before we get started, if you guys don't mind, would you guys give another hand to Alec, my friend who led worship today? It was so awesome. I love Alec so much. Uh, he's led worship over at Venue 2 and South Hills campuses over in Corona. I met him when I uh, first moved back. Also ran into him at Guitar Center. He used to work at Guitar Center Marietta, now at Rancho. I'm kind of sad about that. But I'm glad he's here with us today. Uh, hopefully I can get him to come back some more. If you guys just give him a bunch of compliments, that'd be great. Uh, but I, I love having Alec here. It's cool. Um, but before we get started this series, let's give credit where credit's due. Amen? And let's, let's pray to our God. Sound good? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this group of people that we have here together. God, I thank you for community. I thank you for the fact that, Lord, that we can come in this place and be instantly in acceptance with you, if true so. God, I thank you for your grace, Lord, that although we talked a little bit last week about how sometimes we abuse it, I thank you that you still offer it, even in times when we abuse it. So, Lord Jesus, I just want to lift you up higher in this time. Lord, I just pray that you just empty myself out of my own thoughts and my own uh, agendas, if I have any, God, that are hidden beneath my heart, that this is solely of you. And, God, I just pray for all of these people here gathering in this season, God, to celebrate you. So, Lord, I just pray uh, for your greatness and your goodness in this. And we ask this in your blessed and holy name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Don't you remember, I talked about just a recap for you guys that weren't here this last week or if you haven't heard the sermon yet. We talked about thanks taking and we talked about how easy it is for us to forget things and how we might sometimes come around this time of year, remember things that we've forgotten the rest of the year, like almost like we've had spiritual amnesia. The rest of this year, the 10 months out of the year, we're living our lives, going to church, running through the motions, but somehow it's not until Thanksgiving 
and not until Christmas time that we start being the givers that we are called to be, to be the, the people who love on those who don't have much. In fact, love on those who are the least and that we are thankful for the things God's given us. But the rest of the year, we treat them as if we're not thankful for them. You know, it's, it's kind of that phrase of actions speak louder than words. We pray and we say these things and we sing our songs, but do we actually accept the grace of God? Do we accept our identities as sons and daughters of God? Or do we abuse it and do we forget and how we can remember them? We talked about in Exodus chapter four, uh, or chapters 14 through 16 that in the span of a couple of chapters that the, uh, the people that were in slavery, God's people, the Israelites, had just been freed from it. They've been brought through the Red Sea on dry land, walls of water on each side of them. And as they get through in the desert, they're complaining about not having anything to eat. And we look at that and we go, are you freaking kidding me? I wish God would give me a sign like walls of water on each side. I wish I could just walk through seas like that. In fact, I would even call it a miracle if God would let me just drive through the 91 with no stops. I'll take amen, right? Or just even at this point now, I'll just take it as a, as a, a huge miracle, like the Lord is coming soon, that if they're not doing construction and closing off ramps, I feel like I'm just going in circles. But that's life. I feel like the 91 is just a big analogy for life at that point. It's always in a work in progress. And you never know which way to get off, you know. But it's crazy because we say to them, don't you remember what God just did for you? And then we could easily have the finger pointed back to us. As the saying says, as you point a finger, you have three others pointing back at you. Are we as guilty as the Israelites, whose name means people who rebel against God? Of course, we remember when God brings us through a trial and answers a prayer but we're already looking for the next trial and prayer to be answered and never take the time to be thankful and give thanksgiving as much as take the thanks and run with it. And we talked about good memorials to do that. In Joshua chapter 3, we read of an amazing miracle of God performed for his people. He caused the Jordan River to stop flowing so they can cross on dry ground to the promised land. And then God instructed them through Joshua to each grab a stone from the riverbed to make a memorial of this. That they stop and can say, like, hey, at least we'll remember that this happened. It was a milestone, if you will. See, God is so gracious to us. But as gracious as he is, we need to remember we are still just as sinful as he is gracious. And we need to recognize that. I'm guilty sometimes of even saying because of being at church because I study during the week. I'm good with God. I know enough. I don't understand why bad things happen. When in reality, it's not based off my attendance. It's not based off of my study time in his word. It's based off of, do I know where I stand in a relationship with a living God who's asking to be in an intimate relationship with me? Where do you guys stand in that? is the question to ask. And only a question that you can ask yourself with God, God, where do we stand? You know, I'm guilty of, I, I may fool you with my Canadian tuxedo with all the denim, but I'm not that manly. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a very germaphobe. I like to take multiple showers. And I really love girly shows, especially teenage dramas. I don't know why. I try to act like they're not cool. And I remember, like, my wife was just like, are you watching Awkward on MTV2? Not even MTV1? No. No. And I'll use some of the lingo. And some of the things I love on that lingo is, is DTR 
is they say, like, all these kids, like, with the acronyms, is they define the relationship. And have you DTR'd with God? Where do we stand? God, are we a thing or not a thing? Do you like me? Do you like like me? Do I like you? Can I send my friend, send you a note, check a box? Is that how this works? Is that what these connection cards are for? No. Sorry, they're not. But they have this as a memorial. One man from each tribe selected to take a stone from the riverbed, and Joshua set up as a sign of his remembrance of what God accomplished on that day. You see, he knows that we're forgetful, which is, again, showing the testament of how great a God we serve. Sometimes we forget how great God is. Sometimes we're only quick to say God is great. Great are you, Lord, right after the trial and answers of prayer. But do we ever wake up when things are good or even worse, when we're content and writing the line and saying, great are you, Lord, that my life is here. And in this moment, I don't know my needs because you meet them, God. And that's why you're great. Or do we go, where is God in this? But he keeps offering his grace every morning. You know, my grandma used to always tell me, you didn't know this, Joseph, but when you woke up this morning, God offered you a gift, and you either chose to accept it or not, and he offered you grace. He said, you can wake up today, and you can use it and say, God, I need you today more than I needed you yesterday, and I need you today just as much as I need you tomorrow. I need your grace. Or you can say, I think I got this. The whole world that you created, I think I got a better insight than you. So I'm going to tackle the world my own way. Obviously, that's not true of myself because from my wife looking at me before I left, I said, you can't match denim, but I'm about it because I like 90s rappers. And that's what I'm trying to go for. <laughs> we talked about he gives us these memorials to help us remember his grace even when we should just be remembering it. I know a lot of you guys have parents and you feel like you shouldn't have to tell your kid at some point to say please and thank you, you know. I think I remember my, my I felt bad for my mother having to deal with that. Every time someone would give us something, you'd be she'd always be like, "What do you say?" And I felt bad because I thought like I know what I'm supposed to say, but I thought as a kid I thought it'd be funny because I'm that kind of kid to say, "You should wash your hands more," or just like be rude about it. And sometimes I'm just like my, I just felt bad for my mother. Part of the reason probably she's the way she is is because I just we put a toll on her. You have four kids and we're all around the same age. It's going to be rough on you, but. In the same sense, we should just know what to say, but sometimes we're a little bit rude back in the response when God says, what do you say in this grace time? What do you say in this? But he still gives us memorials. He gives us reminders and commands us to do certain things that serve as reminders. And we talked about six practical ways to do that. We talked about the first three. The first three were first to think. You see, what are some events that you can look back on as piles of stones, as a defining moment for you? Hopefully this Thanksgiving time, maybe that was on your head first before just the typical, I'm thankful for family, I'm thankful for this. Or, there's so many things you can look back on. You see, for my Thanksgiving, I looked at it this week, and I, I'm, you know, most of the time when I write sermons, I, don't, I, I know it sounds bad. I don't really think about a lot of people. I just think about what I want preached to myself, and then I feel guilty, and then I go home and I do it, you know, because then I feel like, wow, that preacher really brought it today. <laughs> That's not really worth it. But I, I, I thought about this, and I go, I want to practice what I preach, and I thought about it. And I look back, even just on this year, and with some of the stones that I had was a stone, a memorial of overcoming fear in general. I'd shared a while ago when I got to speak with you guys that it was a heartache that I'd had and a lack of understanding with God and how his plan works that my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And we thought we were going to lose her. And I am pleased to announce that my grandma is in remission now. And I have her for Christmas and maybe many more days. Thank you. And... I look back on that moment when I heard the news and I had a choice 
And for many of you guys that know, my wife knows, and, and even some of my great close friends that I opened up with, my great-grandma, her mother, was probably one of the closest people I'd had growing up. And when she had got diagnosed with the same cancer and then passed away eventually, I ignored it. I never went and saw her. I never said goodbye because I dealt with it my own way out of fear. And the first thought that I had when I was told my grandma had cancer was, am I ever going to get to say goodbye? Am I going to – I thought first for myself. That's just kind of how selfish sometimes we are. I thought, am I going to do it right this time? Not, am I going to be there for my grandma? And in that, I was able to look back on a stone set and go, God, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be in fear. What happens is happens. I've got to trust you that you have a plan and that you are great and that plan is great. Even when I don't agree with some of the steps along the way. And now that I look at this Thanksgiving and sitting next to my grandma, whose wig is looking fierce, <laughs> looking great. She looked like Beth Moore. I'm telling her, I'm like, you're getting more on life, Grandma. You're looking great. You're getting your Beth life now. And Sorry, ladies. I know you're probably doing Beth Moore series. I don't know. But uh, I'm sit- I get to sit there next to her and go, this moment is a pile of stones with my God that I could say, wow, God has brought me through this. In Psalm 77, verse 12, it says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Now, some of you may not have have as extravagant as you may say yourself a mighty deed of, wow, someone had an illness in their family that we thought we were going to lose, and then it was gone, and then we had that. But we talked about last week about validating feelings in the community. See, we're going to talk about what we talked about last week a little bit about individual abusing of grace and how to remember that. But the second, we're going to talk about the community, the church, and how we could do that. Because you see, if we don't validate other people's feelings, how do we expect them to validate ours? How are we expecting people to live in acceptance that their identity is in Christ and that things happen and that God is on the throne at the end of the day if we are living in unacceptance as well? So we must ponder on that work of God and his mighty deeds and know there's something else. The other thing we talked about the second thing was thanking. To engage our heart in genuine gratitude, even when it feels like someone's got a pair of pliers and yanking it from your teeth, you know? As my family lately has been nothing short of just chaotic, you know? If there was just like, I don't even know how to, if there's a one word to describe it, it's got to be chaos. It's just been, or awkward, awkward chaos, if that's a thing. Like, and so being at this Thanksgiving this year was just really weird. People were, like, in clicks. It was like high school again. There was, like, tables. There was the kids' table. Then there's the cool kids' table. And then there was, like, my table. <laughs> and then, like, and then there's, like, the adults. And then there's, like, the table that's they – they've been going through a lot of apple cider bottles. At least they've been telling the kids that it's apple cider, you know, kind of thing. And so it's been this awkward thing of just clickish. And it was – you know, it's, it's a weird kind of dynamic in my family. And then, you know, my grandma, being as, as she is, she's such a sweet, loving person – stands up and says, let's all say what we're all thankful for and who we're thankful for here at the table. And I think we all just looked at her with the thought in our head of, read a room, Grandma, read a room, you know. And to go there and to sit there, and I had, you know, you have a choice to succumb to fear or say, you know what, I'm going to accept this in God and not abuse this grace. And to try to say the nice things about the people that you know aren't saying nice things about you. It's hard. But to engage in that heart of gratitude at the end, we can go, that's how God feels about that person genuinely. And they know what they did. 
And God knows their life more than I know their life. And God knows my life and what I've done and what I've said. And he loves me the same. I should engage in that heart of gratitude with him. Psalms 9.1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, and I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. The third thing we talked about last week was to tell. Once we've spent time and remembering the things that we are thankful for in the Lord and the things that we have to look about to be like, wow, God, you are amazing. There was a saying when we used to do uh, like a young adult ministry earlier on when I first met Ozzy, the saying and the, and the kind of mission slogan was, we're not the people we're supposed to be, but we're a heck of a lot better than what we used to be. And I used to love that because it's like me and Ozzy, when we do things together, we used to like, we like to do weird things together, like disc golfing. We like to just like make up games and play other people at those games that we make up or just board games, charades or anything like that. And our, always our game plan going in isn't, okay, here's how we're going to win. It's always, hey, let's just try not to mess up the most. That's our game plan. Let them mess up if their own things. Let's just, that's always what we say. Let's just try not to mess up. Like, we're going to mess up the least. That's the whole thing. We'll play anything. We'll go to disc golfing tournaments, and we'll say, what's your strategy? We're just going to hope that they mess up and just not mess up as much as we can. Play it safe. You know, play it safe. That's how we do it. And when we do that, and we, t- we don't tell, and we build this kind of community of saying, you know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm a heck of a lot better where I used to be, that sets us up for a time to actually open up to the people, and that starts evangelism, whether you believe it or not, that you're an evangelist kind of person. A lot of us think, well, because we're introverts, we're definitely not called to evangelism, but there's still introverted evangelism that could happen. Definitely extroverted evangelism that can happen. But it's in that tell. Once we spend time remembering these things, the joy of these memories should overflow with emotion, with love, with trial, with such dense storytelling that the only way to describe it is of God to people. That it's captivating, because that is how the word of God, it's transforming, because a relationship with God is transforming, right? Amen? I, I mean, I can't, I mean, one of the things that we do most of the time that we abuse grace is that we forget that we were once sinners. I think about the family, think of that wacky family member you had to deal with for Thanksgiving, or you're going to have to see again on Christmas, or that coworker, whatever it is, you can look at them for a moment, and you go, man, they're just so weird, they get on my nerves, and then Something so, that's so humbling about stopping and going, where was I before I knew Jesus? And he chose me? I wasn't that bad. Nine times out of ten when I do that with people, I always look at them and go, oh, man, I was worse. And you chose me, God? Who am I to say this? So we must tell. You see, in Joshua 4, I love this passage. We close with this. We find instruction specifically to God's people that he tells them and he says in Joshua 4:21 and 22 when your children ask their fathers in times to come what do these stones mean then you shall let them know Israel passed the Jordan on dry ground this day this thanksgiving we asked last week for those that were here to be able to recount those memorials so that we could share with family members with future generations, when they ask that relationship that you have with uncle or your brother or your cousin, were you always that close? No. Israel passed on dry ground this day. 
There's a story to tell. And we're going to get now to these next points about the church, so bear with me because I love the church. I want you to know that first and foremost. I am all about the church. I know I wasn't raised in the church, but I love the freaking church more than anything. I really do. I literally, I could just, I, my friends and my wife can attest to it. I love church. Even when we moved back here with no money and no jobs or anything, the first thing I told my wife is, I want to go to church. You need to find church. That's the most important thing. And you got to understand, just because I've been raised in the church, you can still love the church. I think there's a healthy love for the church. I mean, you, not only do you, you get something out of being a part of the body of Christ, obviously, that God's coming back for his bride and you're a part of that, but there's bonuses. I mean, there's story to be told in the community of the church, and I just want to take a moment to take pride in the fact that you're in this building and that you're a part of the church, not the awakening church, although you should be pretty proud of it. There's some pretty good-looking folks here, but amen. But the fact that they're, you're a part of the, just the global church, the kingdom of God, and the amazing things that can happen. When I look back on the church and I look at it, I go, oh, my gosh, I, I met the love of my life, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the church and the community. I met the second greatest love of my life, my wife in the church. I made a covenant with God about my wife in the church when I said that I would be her husband and love her till death did me part. And I would prepare her for heaven's gates and hand her back to God. I baptized my family that I thought would never know Jesus. And I prayed every night, God, what can I do so that they could know you like I know you so they're not empty inside? And he took care of the rest, and he said, you can bask in the glory of seeing them say, I believe, and dunking in the water and resurrecting like Christ resurrected and saying they are changed. That is the church that we get to belong to. I know that so much of what we hear is about how bad the church is, how the church is political, and the church seems to change these things. But sometimes I want to just be an advocate for the church as an outsider not raised for it. How awesome it is. Do you understand the church is a living embodiment of the Trinity because it's community. God himself lived in community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfectly together in community and said, you belong so much a part of this community, even though you did nothing to deserve it, that he broke off a piece, went down, and when he died and bore your sins, said you are now a part of this community, and now you can be here as a family when you have family that doesn't care about you, when you have friends that say they want nothing to do with you, you come as you are in this place, and you are family. You are my brother. You are my sister. Just by being in here, how great is the freaking church? Amen? Amen? But, as every family the community has, we got our problems. We got our crazy uncles, and we got the drama, and there's some things we need to attest to. <coughs> Excuse me. The first is we abuse grace a lot. You see, we're quick when people leave or people have a, a gripe to start to become a civil war and become a nation divided. And I want to remind you the earliest earliest kind of look of what the church, the modern church looks like is in the church of Acts. And I love in the scriptures when it talks about that as they gathered together, they all gave everything they had. And they had all things in common and no one was in need. Does that look like the church today? I don't know. You'd be the judge of that. But one thing we do do is as a church, we do abuse the grace of God. 
And it sounds like such a harsh thing, like, ow. I don't abuse the grace of God. Maybe other people in the church. That's when we're starting to become that civil divide. It's time to take ownership as God's people and say, we need to remember the goodness of God. And I have three ways that we could try to do that today. The first thing is traditions. Just as you think about the holiday traditions of decorating the church or whether it's you guys make sugar cookies or whatever it is that you guys would do, hang ornaments. I know some of you guys do this weird thing where, like, some of you put, like, pickles in a tree and you try to find a pickle. Pickles are meant to be eaten, not in trees. People, as a big guy, it's a waste of a pickle. I am an advocate for a great pickle. Maybe not as much of an advocate for the church, but still, it's real close. But... You maybe you have your holiday traditions. My family, heavily Hispanic family, tamales. That's the tradition we go. And by what I mean by that is just like all the women make it in the kitchen while we hang out in the living room and watch sports and talk about how the Dodgers are going to take it next year for like the last 10 years. But God is good, you know. Israel wandered in the desert for how long? We'll be there, Dodgers. Don't worry. But just as you incorporate a holiday or birthday tradition, consider ways that you can incorporate telling the stories of God's faithfulness. As a church, we do a great job of that with Kids Company, which is going to be an awesome way that these kids are going to be able to share with older generations their faith. But where is that stuff the rest of the year? Now, I'm not saying Kids Company should have every year by any means, because getting a bunch of you know, children together alone is just going to be rough. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of, they touched me, stop touching them, I didn't even touch them. And then like these kind of things were like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. And you go, can you just stop? This is why I have dogs. <laughs> but as a church, we've got to think of more ways that we can show the tradition, the rich tradition of grace and thankfulness and our stories, our milestones to tell. Now, I've only been at this church now for a year, but I've already seen milestones. I've seen people come to the Lord. I've seen people walk away from the Lord, come back. I've seen people hurt and lose things they thought they'd never lose. And I've seen people gain things that they thought they would never, ever possess in their life. I have seen people give without even thinking. And I've seen people take without people speaking up. But those are all stones that we could say the Awakening Church Pass through the Jordan on dry land on these days. And we're here. We are gathered. We have a place to be. And I can freely speak about how great the church is and how great God is without fear of someone busting in and putting me in handcuffs. But these traditions help tell that story. The next one is to transcribe. I'm the worst at this. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys are readers? You guys are like readers. Dang, that's amazing. I am not a reader by any means, and I'm not a writer by any means necessary. I mean, some people that are those reader people, they're just good at taking notes. I was that kid that just did not take notes. I just tried my best to remember everything that you told me, and then I just took the test, and I tried my best. And I'm not a note taker by any means. It's interesting because my whole family are like note taker type people. And as my grandma once said, there's two types of people in this world, Joseph. There are stove touchers and note takers. And you are a stove toucher. And if you don't know what that is, basically, if you ever saw a stove, a note taker would say, hey, what's that? You'd say, that's a stove. It's hot. You shouldn't touch that. 
And they go, got it. They go, no, don't touch that stove. And their stove touchers, they go, hey, what's that? It's a stove. Don't touch it. It's hot. Really? Oh, it's hot. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm definitely one of those people. But there's an importance in transcribing and keeping a journal to write out our prayer request and record in the ways which God answers these prayers. When you're feeling discouraged, you look back on those records of God's faithfulness. When I first moved back here um, from Sacramento, I was terrible at this. First of all, I felt like I had no time to do it. That's our, that's our biggest excuse, right? I have no time to journal. What am I, 14? I'm going to get like, a, a tracker key, like, just lock it up in there, write in it, and just be like, like transcribe code, put a heart in there. I heart so-and-so. What is this? This is weird. It was weird for me, especially starting off, and then I moved back here. Well, no job. You have all the time in the world, you know, and I started writing down my prayers and things like that. I remember one of the first prayers was I wanted to find a church home, and I wanted to find a purpose. God, I want both of those things. And in that, prayers were answered to look back on that book and go, I am in a church family that I love with all my heart, that I know God called me to without a doubt in my mind. This was nothing of me, and I get to be here and be myself. And I have a purpose. And it changes sometimes a little bit each day. But the end goal is just to be a son of God, be myself, and help people that way through relationship. That is awe-inspiring. And we transcribe these things so we can keep our progress on it, as tedious as it may sound. This is a huge thing I think we miss out on a lot. And the last thing. The last thing I want to kind of go back to that the scripture in Acts I talked about. It says that they gathered together and that they gave everything they had. No one was in need and they had all things in common. Now when we break that down as the church, how much of that is true? Yes, we gather together. We gather together once a week here. There's tons of other groups that meet throughout the week, which is awesome, but we gather. We got that down. The church is great at gathering, especially for the potlucks. It's a big turnout. Right? <laughs> but we're great at the gathering. And then we get to the giving everything. Now, we hear give everything, and we go, well, we give money. No, no, no. Give everything. Everything. You see, when we signed up our life, to the Lord, and when we prayed the prayer, Lord Jesus, I want you to rule my life because I know in my hands it will just end up in chaos and emptiness. When we said that, what we're saying in that is, I want you to rule it such every part of it, not my money only, and not my spiritual life, my whole life. It's kind of like when we do that, we're holding out on a on a, a white line, a sense, you know, my like. What I used to do this with my parents when I would do something, and they said, why did you do that? And I'd be like, why? You didn't say I couldn't do that. And you said, you said you weren't going to do that. No, I said I wouldn't do this. I failed to withhold this information from you kind of a thing. And we kind of do that with God. Yes, God, I sign up my money to you. I give you my money to the church, and I serve once a week, and I go to a small group. That's my whole life. Your whole life is three days? That's amazing, because last time I checked, I created seven. And so uh, where did yours go? What do you do in the other days? Well, I got, I got work, and then I got the kids, and then I got, 
you know, wife time, and then I just need my time for me time. It's me. I just take care of myself. It's a little bit of, you know, a little, a little pampering, a little goose baba, you know, a little bit of that for me, God. You don't understand. I don't understand, you know. Okay, I got it. But our whole life, that means our marriages are signed up for God. That's scary. Because I'm not going to lie to you now. This week, if anyone was looking in on my marriage, definitely didn't look like it was signed up for God. The way I talked and the way I acted in response to other things. My family didn't look like it was signed up for God, at least the way I acted. My money, not all the time. It can always be better. My time, mm -mm. my gifts, everything. Sometimes I look and I go, really the easiest part about being a Christian is what I give my all in, in the gathering. (laughs) But in that giving everything I have, that's hard. We'd like to say we'd give the shirt off our back to our neighbor. But if it's chilly out, I'll catch a cold. And then I'm no good to everyone else. I mean, it's probably worse than if I catch a cold because I got all these people to take care of, and they're just having, I'll just give them a couple bucks. That doesn't help. God is calling us to give everything we have, and by not doing that and cashing out on grace, that's rough. That's a rough exchange. And I wanted to elaborate more before as we closed out on, on grace because. There's a difference in understanding of grace and all these things because you see there's, there's three ways God judge, uh, that kind of God works. He works in judgment, he works in mercy, and he works in grace. And the way this was explained to me as a young teenager by my youth pastor, when I asked him, like, is it the same thing? No, no, no. Judgment is if you sell an apple and you got arrested for it, you got fined for it, or they cut your hand off. That's judgment, and you learn that way. Sometimes God needs to give judgment because that's the best way that person is going to learn. Then there's mercy. Mercy is getting caught and saying, you shouldn't do this. This is wrong. You know you can get your hand cut off for this or be arrested. Go and sin no more in a sense, as God says. And that's the best way some people learn. But grace. Grace is this curveball that God has that we just can't always seem to get our head wrapped around. Grace says you steal the apple, and God says you stole this apple. I caught you, but you're obviously doing it because you're hungry. So take all my apples, and if you want, share them with whoever you want. And that moves some people to a point of they go, I don't understand why you would do that for me. You have no apples at that point. I'll be okay. That is grace, and sometimes people really, when they experience the grace of God, have a complete transformation. When you experience God, I think that's one of the key components of a transformation, like a transformed life, is the grace aspect, because we don't understand that. We understand mercy sometimes. We have mercy on our kids. We have judgment upon some of our kids that comes. But grace, that's hard. And that's how we are treated by our God, and he knows how and when we need each one. And as a church, sometimes we struggle on dishing that grace back out that we've been receiving. And it's a real bad exchange. The other part of that scripture is that it says that they had all things in common. Well, that's a joke, right? There's no way. That's just a cult at that point, right? All their names were like Elder Mark. And then I was just like, there's Mark and James. We're all James when you're here. Mm. 
I will not be drinking the Kool-Aid after this service, you know. How is that possible they had all things in common? They're all just like one day they're gathering like, I like Jesus. I like Jesus too. Do you guys like sandals? Yeah, that's all we got. Awesome. We should start a church. No. They had all things in common in the sense that they were all sinners, Jew or Gentile. And they all understood their need for God. You see, the church in a sense, I, I, I was thinking about how could I describe the church in the best way as the church of Acts was. And I was thinking really long and hard about it. And I was trying to think, how could I do this? I'm, I'm talking to my wife about it. And she really came up with the brilliant idea without even saying it. She says, I don't know, but I really want donuts. And... Uh, if you guys know, we talked about last week, my wife and I and Amanda and her brother, Kevin, we, we were the first in line at the Krispy Kreme in Menifee. Don't ask us how long we were there for. A long time. There was a tent involved. And we won, worth it, we won free Krispy Kreme donuts for a year, every week for a year. And so my wife said, I want to cash out on that. And then I thought about it as we were going there. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I, I, the Lord has spoken through my wife in this. The church is like a box of donuts. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you know, as the great theologian Forrest Gump said, life's like a box of chocolates. But the church, God's church, it's like a box of donuts. Well, think about it. We gather in a building, right? And we try to make it look pretty and festive, Right? But we go in there, and when you actually enter in there, there's an assortment of other people. They have all things in common. They're all donuts, right? All donuts, but some of them are different. Some people are just plain, average Joe people that go to their work, and they just kind of hang out. Some of them are a little bit jelly-filled. That's okay. Some of them have chocolate coating. Some of them have a little bit more sprinkle to them. That's my wife. She's looking really nice. There's some people that, you know, like an old-fashioned. And that's great, too. But they're all donuts at the end of the day. They have all things in common. They're donuts. And the thing is, the second people stop saying that they're donuts is when the box is empty and there's no, it's trash at that point. It's just a building. You see, the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism are, are profound in ways because they're about remembering and proclaiming what Christ did. That's why I can't help it. Again, like I said, I'm not the most manly man. I tear up every time I watch a baptism. Even thinking about it gets me a little teared up because I remember the day that I was baptized and I remember the thought that I was explaining to me, what does it mean? And they said, Joseph, it means everyone's going to know that you're different now. They're going to have to, they have to forget about what you were, and they've got to remember you from who you are now. And that was crazy to me to think. I don't got to be known as the sad kid that no one wants to deal with anymore. On this day, you'll just be Joseph, a son of God. And so when I see baptism, I see people say, I believe, they might as well be saying, I get to start over. And even when we take communion, there's remembrance in saying, my God loved me so much that he would have died for me. 
I remember asking my grandma once, too, what do you see when you see a cross? Because I remember thinking, like, do you feel like just Christianity? Do you feel like it's oppressive? And she said, I see a coffin that belonged to me. That someone I didn't know said, I'll take it from here and stepped in. And before I could even ask them about who they were, they were buried in my place. And I could choose to ask people, who was that person? Or I can go, that was cool of them, and walk away. And communion is this representation of remembering. God gives us those memorials, and in the church we celebrate those memorials through baptism and communion. That God is gracious, and he gives us vivid reminders to incorporate in our, in our various senses, like a box of donuts through communion or baptism. In the Lord's Supper, we take out our hands, and we break the bread, and we drink from the cup. The senses of touch and smell and feel and taste for Christ's death in my place. And as far as he or she being immersed in water and coming up new, being clean again in that, proclaiming that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. On this day, my life passed through the Jordan on dry land. The rest of us get to participate in baptism by seeing and being there for these public declarations to hold people accountable, to remind them of the stone moment they made. We see in our eyes a parable of death, burial, and resurrection in it. Let us not forget. We must be people who fight spiritual amnesia with God-given remembrance. And the way they do that in this last one is as people of God, we must embrace community, embrace the grace of God, and make a promise to our God, a covenant with him to say, I will represent your grace and I will share it even when it's hard. Because you see a relationship, a love from God, and what it separates from every other relationship is every other relationship in this world says, you and I will be in a relationship friendship-wise or whatever until you do something that hurts me and then I'm out. Or you and I will be in a relationship until you're not giving me what I need and not fulfilling the need, so I'm out. But a relationship with the center of God says, I will be who God has called me to be and love you within an inch of your life, even when you're not being who you're supposed to be. That is community. That's what draws people in. That is our last point, is to taste and see the Lord is good. Amen? All right. Let's pray. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up here as we sing a song of community that we declare with our words in our mouth, Lord, there is no place I would rather be than here in your community, which is built upon the foundation of your grace that comes from the heart of it all, your love. For we know that God is real because God is love and love. Love is real. So... As the ushers come forward at this end time, we pray.